My war with hell began like any other momentous event, on an ordinary evening. Ordinary for me, at least. You see, I'm Satana, the devil's daughter, and I'm a succubus. I drain men's souls with a kiss. I've been this way since puberty. I'm my father's big joke on Puritan New England. Satan impregnated my human mother with what praying men both fear and crave. I am beauty and the beast. Aloha, bienvenidos, and welcome to Noob Island, a place for nerdy fun, friendships, and learning. I'm Professor T. And I'm Professor Z, and I really don't think I have the voice for that quote I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Much like the starting zone of many video games, the goal of our island resort is to teach visiting noobs about geeky subjects, but away from the stress of having to worry about sweaty tryhards, griefers, know-it-alls, or neckbeards. We like to think of it as learning and luxury. Noob? Yes, Professor? Tell the rest of the class your name, something about yourself, and what you're here to learn about. Uh, my name is Mac. I'm here to learn about Marvel and you- magic. Wow. We're all doing it's it. It's only been like 30 <laughs> episodes, man. <laughs> magic and the Marvel Universe. Words are difficult. And, uh, I don't know. Leather is not a suitable replacement to clothes. <laughs> what have you been up to since I last saw you? Uh, we read the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that in mind, Professor Z, what's our lesson for today? Satana and the other Hell Lords. Now, because when I was telling someone about this before uh, we started recording and confused them, this is Satana starting with an S, not Zatanna starting with a Z. Zatanna is a big DC character. Satana is Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan's kid sister. Much like a bunch of other ones, we will be covering several smaller characters, most of them are kind of Mephisto light, because it would be extremely boring to give the full dialogues of each one of these, because they are all, again, Mephisto light, so it'd be like, and then this person lied, and then this person lied. (laughs) Uh, Really? We will be covering just a few of them, and we will mostly just be doing one or two interesting facets of each one, except for Satana, who has actually had her own book here and there, so she gets a a brief. She gets a little bit more. She, we, yeah, we will be running through her stuff. Before we go into them, I am going to list off all of the members of the Hell Lords because some of these names are absolutely wild, and it's literally the most interesting things about them. Akun Kuga. <laughs> wait, 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 what? A Q Q U O O N. K-A-G-U-A. Akun Kagua. Okay. I'm not wrong, man. <laughs> Asmodeus. Bezelbowl. Belasco, who actually does come up, but we he has done nothing interesting outside of magic, so... Let's say, we talked about Belasco. Yeah. You know Belasco. He's a <laughs> Also, his daughter Witchfire, who's also kind of a little I mean, if he's on the test, I'll take the extra credit, but... Blackheart, Dansker, Dormammu, Damien Hellstrom, the son of Satan, Kuxulthum, KX apostrophe U L T H U U M, Lucifer, 
Marduk Kurios, who may or may not be Lucifer. Olivier. Pluto. Satanish the Supreme. Strong. My personal favorite, Thog the Neverspawn. Yeah. Who we will not be covering because he's remarkably uninteresting. I I read his or his stuff three times. I can tell you nothing other than the fact that I like the name Thog the Netherspawn. It's <laughs> a good name. Umar the Unrelenting, who is Dormammu's sister. We covered her a while back. And Zuthal. Also Zuthal. Beelzebub, Hela, Mephisto, Satana, and Strong Guy, a.k.a. Guido Carasola. Mm, Guido. So... Marduk Kurios, a.k.a. Satan, literally I'm just bringing it up here because he is a big enough character that we need to mention him, but he has done nothing interesting outside of Damon Hellstrom and Satana. Because they have Mephisto. Mm -hmm. So it's just, anytime they show up, Marduk Kurios probably will. Otherwise, they're like, he's there. He tends not to be even that involved with the other Hell Lords. Like, Satanish will show up in any time the other Hell Lords are depicted. Marduk, usually not. But he is listed as one. So I'm kind of thinking of him as, like, the nation-state that's technically part of the UN and is, like, super powerful but doesn't come hang out. Okay. I don't know if we have a nation-state like that, but, you know... If it happened. You get it? Yeah. Well, my other example was Corellia in Star Wars, and that might be too much of an explanation. <laughs> we don't have time for that. <laughs> I am very on brand. So, as a reminder, the Hell Lords largely exist as any demon, the devil, that has appeared over the years in Marvel Comics before they eventually realized that, oh God, we've got a bunch of these. Not all of them can rule Hell. We have to explain it. Technically, Dormammu and Umar have both been included as Hell Lords, even though they are not demons. They are member of the Faltine. But they also, Dormammu might be their da- the Hell Lord's dad in one version, so we roll with it. He claimed at one point to be the father of all demons, and who knows, it's Dormammu. I mean, he could be. Uh, in the same measure, both Pluto and Hela are largely considered as members of Hell Lords and tend to appear when the Hell Lords gather, but they are actually death gods. Hela will appear in our later when we get to the Norse stuff. Pluto might come up a little bit when we get to like Hercules, even though Greek and Roman and all that. Pluto and Hades both mm-hmm. exist, but they are mostly there for when you need a death god that's not Hela. Right. And my question is answered why they were there. Because <laughs> I didn't think they <laughs> ruled hell at all. Uh, because they rule an underworld tends to be what it is. And the That's definition fair. of hell lords is like, I rule an underworld versus I'm a demon king is a little variable depending on the author. Cool. Yeah, it's it's also kind of like, would say, would humans regard you as Satan, whether that's correct or not? Probably. I mean, and Hela's, Hela is the easiest one to argue for because she literally rules hell. It's just one L hell. Mm-hmm. And Pluto's just a big bald <laughs> I mean, he's in the reading we had for this. There is nothing. <laughs> that is the most depth I have ever seen from Pluto in a Marvel comic. <laughs> and it's none. It is none. Well, we got yeah, to no. see inside of him, though. <laughs> yeah, okay. I guess that. Uh, 
Also, the Dark Child at one point has counted as a... She has at least dealt with the Hell Lords on a level that they treated her like an equal. I don't know if she was ever officially a Hell Lord. Mm. And Gloriana, a.k.a. Megan, uh, Captain Britain's girlfriend, was briefly a Hell Lord when she was banished to Hell for a thing. We read this in Captain Britain and the oh, MI-13. Right. Okay. She was briefly a Hell Lord when she just kind of started taking over Hell when she was there, because who was going to stop her? <laughs> but... We are going to start with Blackheart, the son of Mephisto. Probably best known for actually showing up in the Ghost Rider movie. Yes, where he looked like a gothy version of one of my high school buddies. And mm -hmm. I I mean, I already couldn't take that movie seriously, but you're not supposed to start giggling every time, like, the <laughs> devil appears. <laughs> but here we all are. That's a perfect reaction. Blackheart, will, we will actually spend almost no time whatsoever on because a majority of his appearances were against the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider. So we're going to mostly hear about him in that episode that is coming up two episodes from now, I think. It's, it's getting pretty close. It's soon. Yeah. Also known as BH, the Black King, Lord Blackheart, Mayor Winston Agnew, Mr. Deadly, the Prince of Hell, the son of Mephisto. Mr. Deadly? I don't know, actually, on that one. I just was looking at those, and those were kind of fun. Like, I... Deadly. D-E-G-L-I. Not deadly. Oh. Like, um. which, honestly, I would like better. But what does that even mean, then? I don't... I'm assuming he was just pretending to be someone in his, like... I mean, that's kind of their, all their M.O.'s. Yes, Danny Catch, you should do this thing. You should trust me, your friend and neighbor, Mr. Deadly. <laughs> I'm totally not Satan. Ignore the creepy black tendrils coming out of my head and the glowing red eyes. Again, I do not know that for sure. It's just very on brand for black art. It sounds like a comic. His look seems like it would be annoying as an artist to continually have to draw anytime he shows up. Either one of his looks. Yeah. Although I also have to say, at least one of his looks is fire. The one with more of like the this one. Oh, the Sarah Pacelli one. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I really like both of the looks, but they are frustrating having to do all those tendrils yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like spiky hair but they're tendrils so in a particularly violent town named Christ Crown New York uh, centuries of murder led to, to the attention of the demon lord Mephisto who uses the energy accumulated to create a son why he wants to create a son is never really Explained because Blackheart will spend the rest of time attempting or succeeding to overthrow Mephisto. He's probably bored. Again, we have, as we covered from our Mephisto episode, yeah, 90% of Mephisto's choices can be covered from, um, I'm bored and I literally can't help myself. Blackheart was, uh, for his early appearances, obsessed with exploring the nature of evil. And tended to uh, clash with Daredevil and Spider-Man originally. Mostly tormenting Daredevil because Anne Nocenti, the writer at the time, was a fan of, you know, this is like the most famous Catholic superhero, let, and his devil is in his name, let's actually have him deal with devils, which had never really happened before. <laughs> wow. Daredevil is a pretty street-level superhero. You put him in magic stuff, and he's like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm Catholic, so be nice to me. <laughs> Show me where the fat man is, and I'll punch you. <laughs> uh, Blackheart did contact a woman named Misha from a group called the Warheads that existed for about seven seconds of Marvel history, 
gifting her with precognitive visions. He also temporarily pretended to be Doctor Strange. Mephisto sends Blackheart to Earth with his powers diminished, forcing him to learn humility in a very Odin making Thor stop being a jerk move. Mm. But instead, Blackheart assembles the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider, Wolverine, and the Punisher, attempting to get them to join him to overthrow Mephisto, but instead, they just join each other and overthrow Blackheart. <laughs> this does lead to him taking a special interest in Danny Ketch, uh, and he will be the primary enemy of Danny Ketch pretty much from that point on till the end of his series. Interesting. Um, after the Ghost Rider series was canceled, Blackheart didn't have a whole lot to do. He tends to appear anytime the uh, Hell Lords are together. At one point, he did overthrow Mephisto and rule Mephisto's realm, but then Ghost Rider overthrew him and ruled, and then just left later on. Different Ghost Rider than the Ghost Rider we saw a while ago. Uh, overthrow Mephisto. Mephisto's realm has been ruled by like three different ghost riders over time. <laughs> Dang. He did, uh, Blackheart did spend a while messing with the Flash Thompson version of Venom. Mostly just because, from what I can tell, Rick Remender was writing the series and he likes to do Satan-y things. So he's like, Blackheart. Blackheart's fun and Venom. Yeah. I think that's in his resume. <laughs> <laughs> likes to do Satan-y things. Uh, oh, got it. <laughs> Murders Pat Mulligan, who was the uh, host of the Toxin Symbiote, who was another son of Venom from a kind of fun little series that I was like, oh, someone actually trying to be heroic with it. Oh, nope, you killed him. And okay, now just a villain has the Toxin Symbiote. Sweet. This was fun. Sorry, Pat, your life sucked. (laughs) At least it didn't end up in a garbage can. It did end up being a huge storyline involving a bunch of different characters and fun words like the hell centrifuge. But really at the end of the day, I'm going to get in trouble saying this from someone who really likes Rick Remender, but it was style over substance. I don't, I've read that story. I don't know what Blackheart was trying for. He was just being a (laughs) My mental image of a hell centrifuge is just people in a thing that turns really fast. So the blood collects in a certain way. So when they get eaten, it tastes better for the demons. (laughs) Uh, in more recent years he has mostly been reduced to fighting teen superheroes for various things I say reduced these are characters I tend to prefer but they're not as big name as like the spirit of vengeance he did appear on earth and take out most of the ghost rider or not ghost rider most of the avengers but was quickly taken out by miles morales's venom blast which is a weird power level thing, but here we all are. Yeah, how does that... You know, I'm not going to think about it too much. To be honest with you, Brian Bendis was kind of phoning it in by that point, but the art by Sarah Pacelli, which this is where that look you were talking right. about a moment ago came from, is so pretty that none of us cared. Yeah, yeah, that was a good look for Blackheart. He also goes up against the champions, is offering Braun one of the characters who's kind of a Hulk character, the chance to go back in time to save his teammates, Miss Marvel and Viz, Viz Vision, Viv Vision, sorry. Too many V's on that, I get. Uh, from dying at the hands of an electricity monster known as Zax. Z-Z-A-X. Oh, so not just multiple Zax. Zax. 
<laughs> I've never had to say that name out loud before this moment. So, exactly. so that's a fun one. Uh, they end up beating him, and Mephisto literally shows up to drag his, in his words, inept son back to hell. Blackheart was real hot stuff in the 90s, and everyone after that went, you know, we kind of liked Mephisto. Weird. <laughs> this brings Ooh. us to probably the number two guy when it comes to hell lords making deals, causing trouble. Satanish the Supreme. The Supreme One. The Master of Souls. Satanish with just less ends in it. Mr. Clute. Clute. Nick Clute. Clutey. Satan. Old Nick. Old Scratch. The Serpent. And numerous others. Now, Satanish actually has, in my opinion, a significantly better look than Mephisto because it's super creepy. He's a big green, sometimes pink, but usually green monster guy with huge curly horns, sometimes four of them, big pointy teeth, and his belly is a bigger mouth full of big pointy teeth. Papa Nurgle. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I also think that this exact thing that makes me like him more than Mephisto is the reason why he's the number two guy. When Mephisto shows up to make a deal, you're like, okay, you're clearly the devil. That's not a good thing. Mm. But he does look mostly human. There is some level of, like, humans connecting to things. And you're like, all right, you look mostly human. You probably have human reasoning and thoughts. And he doesn't. He's Mephisto. But there, there's that bit of it there. Satanish is a big green guy with an angry mouth for a stomach. <laughs> you're not going to look at that and be like, I think this guy's going to be on the level. He's like, legit. <laughs> yeah. He won't eat me. <laughs> Hey, buddy, I like the cut of your jib. I can tell that you're on the up and up with me. <laughs> you, Both your jibs. You seem like a trustworthy sort. Thank you. That, which mouth said that? <laughs> I am worried. My stomach was just rumbling. Don't ask questions. Can like, bottom mouth talk? I don't know. Or does it just eat? It's always hungry. Bottom mouth. <laughs> I, you're a bot. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it eat, but... We saw have you ever seen it talk? Or talk, does it, that's what I meant to oh, say. Okay. I or mean, does it just go? Both. Um, I, yeah, it, it might be purely decorative. Like, <laughs> we saw it eat a spear. <laughs> that's a little different. That just got stabbed. <laughs> yeah, but it ate it. Fair. Okay. Um, so, Satanish the Supreme was theoretically created by Dormammu to be an undercover agent within the Hell Lords. But this is from the same miniseries where he claimed to be uh, Damon Hillstrom's real dad. Oh, so, so it's entirely possible he's lying through his teeth. So Jumamu made a thing with two mouths to be an undercover agent? <laughs> to the other Hell Lords. It's not like he was going to Costco. <laughs> All the other ones are humanoid. He is not. <laughs> and he's green. <laughs> okay, color. Actually, green is a pretty traditional, like, up until... I don't know, a hundred years ago or so, like green was the devil color for a long time. I had no idea. I think it was somewhere around the Victorian era that it started to switch to red. Nature's evil, apparently. Satanish's big, biggest things is that he has a cult called the, the Sons of Satanish who follow him. Uh, it, they have gone up against the Defender several times, and in his first appearance, he kidnapped Clea because Clea got kidnapped 
every four seconds in those original stories. Like, I mean, as we discussed in our Doctor Strange episode, well, it's time to write Doctor Strange, someone flip a coin, heads Clea gets kidnapped, tails the ancient one does. Or both. Oh, oof, I just looked up some of the history of green being associated with evil. Yeah? Uh, mostly heavily during post-First Crusade Europe, because oh. green was the color of Islam. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm not claiming it yeah. was a good yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I know. That it was... I know, but I'm just not exactly sure what I was I was getting into when I looked it up, and I was oh, like, yeah. Well, I mean, let's yeah. be honest. Why do we associate this color with the devil? The answer is probably racism somehow. That's true. That's my favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> but then, obviously, it it switched off for a bit, and now it's mostly like color coding for like greed and movies and stuff, and mm-hmm. especially Disney. Oh, super heavily. Uh, Weird. Well, and there was also a whole lot of, like... Does that make Yoda evil? Probably. Uh, some level of, like, druidic stuff I know and mm-hmm. the green man. There were a lot yeah. of a lot of pagan legends involving green things that uh, Christians really did not want associated positively mm-hmm. after the First Crusades. Satanish tends to most often go up against Doctor Strange. He has faced Dane Whitman, the Black Knight. He's fought uh, someone in Wakanda before. He... Fought the Avengers a couple of times. He does tend to make deals with Baron Mordo. Not as much as Dormammu does, but, you know, Baron Mordo will go to anyone who he wants power from. Technically, Doctor Strange does sometimes borrow from Satanish for power. Oh, he does. He has mm-hmm. done Satanish-based spells, but he tries not to because Hell Lord. Because Satanish. Yes. But he also borrows from Dormammu, so... Uh, he, he very rarely <laughs> borrows from Dormammu directly. He will do, like, the Flames of the Faltine, mm-hmm. but the Faltine themselves are not an automatically evil race. It's true. Dormammu is just... Different. The Dormammu. worst. <laughs> He's, like... Dormammu's Dormammu. I would almost rather deal with Mephisto than Dormammu because Mephisto's gonna get bored and wander off. Dormammu has, like, a tension span while he's being a... <laughs> Uh, Oddly, when he went up against the West Coast Avengers, Satanus created a new lethal legion using the souls from various dead people who were in his hell. But the choices he made, like, get a little weird at the end, because, you know, there's Joseph Stalin, Lucrezia Borgia, Heinrich Himmler, and then Lizzie Borden. (laughs) What? Now, (laughs) Joseph Stalin, Lucrezia Borgia, Heinrich Himmler, they killed... A lot of people. Lizzie Borden may or may not have killed her father with an axe and her stepmother. Like, I'm not saying she's good. I'm not, you know, but she's not on that level of the others. Yes. (laughs) Like, this is Heinrich Himmler and this is my friend Lizzie. (laughs) It's like arresting somebody for jaywalking and arresting somebody for robbing a bank and putting them in the same cell. Like, they're not... Those aren't the same things. Yes, exactly. You're like, oh, God, please let me out of the cell. I'm so screwed here. (laughs) I'm scared straight. Oddly, Satanish has had a real rough time the last few years. I wonder why. Yeah, I know. He's really sad. (laughs) Um, After getting killed in the Hell on Earth war pretty easily, as I remember it, He next appeared as a member, or around the same time appeared, as a member of the Masters of Evil, which is like an anti-Avengers supervillain team led by Baron Zemo, and was later seen uh, wandering around Helltown in a 
city that they uh, the the masters of evil took over. I want to say it's in Bagalia, oh, okay. uh, in the Helltown district. Sorry. I was not going to guess that. No, no, you're fine. Uh, the problem here is with my brain is Marvel has an evil town controlled or evil island controlled uh, by villains named Bagalia. There is an country led by supervillains in D.C. called Bialia. Bagalia, Bialia. I just... I can't. I cannot. Oh, Bialia. Yeah. I think they use a hexagonal grid. Yeah, I think so. I, I remember seeing the history of it being built, actually. <laughs> These guys are referencing video game things that they were talking about before you got, we started recording, so... Uh... Before our dear listeners joined us. <laughs> this is going to bring us to Guido Carosella, a.k.a. <laughs> Strong Guy. Guido! Somehow any, a hell lord. I mean, we saw it happen. Anytime but. you see, uh, anytime it, we mention strong guy, you will hear me or Tyler go Guido, because over on Word Balloons, he tried to trip me up with Guido, uh, with strong guy, and that was literally my response. He's like, I don't think you know this one, strong guy, Guido. <laughs> Name strong guy. Yes. I sincerely, I Guido, didn't look him up beforehand, and I thought he was just background. Guido Carosella. His mutant power is that he takes any kinetic energy that hits him, and he can turn it into muscle mass. That has to hurt. Unfortunately, his mutant power kicked in when he was hit by a bus. Oh, no. So... That is why he is oversized and mutated. The Leonard Kirk drawings that we saw in our readings today have him as just like a real big guy. Some depictions have him like kingpin uh, from Into the Spider-Verse. Oh like goodness. he is just impossibly large. Uncomfortably large. I like to think he was a scrawny like dude crossing the street. The bus just goes... <laughs> he, just he, goes <laughs> he also has most of the time the Armstrong hair curl from uh, uh, uh yeah, Full Metal Alchemist, uh-huh. and no other hair, and he tends to wear little tiny round glasses, kind of like Morpheus has in the Matrix. Heck yeah, he is. He also won't hit you that hard as just the worst. But I actually really like him. Um, he got the name Strong Guy when he joined X Factor, and he didn't have a team name, or he didn't have a code name, but he's like, well, every team needs a strong guy, so they just called him that. He has an odd habit of calling people Borks. What? Those Borks. V-O-R-K-S. I don't know what it is. They don't really... Yeah, Borks. Okay. His 90s stuff was super over the top. He actually got toned down a lot in the 2000s X Factor run that we read. Later on in. It's disappointing. I want to see the crazy one. It's I can lend it to you. Um <laughs> it's it either way he tends to be a lot of fun because he is just kind of a jerk. He didn't really want to be a superhero. Uh he got his powers when he was hit by a bus. A few weeks later, or I don't know if it's weeks, but shortly afterwards, his parents were killed when a satellite fell out of the sky and landed on them. What? And then he ended up uh, becoming a bodyguard for an intergalactic teleporting mutant rock star named Lila Cheney. What a crazy resume. <laughs> oh, God. There's a reason I love Guido as much as I do. But the important part of this is him becoming a Hell Lord. A member of his team was a woman named Lila Cheney. She knows stuff. 
Literally, that was kind of her thing. She knows I'm Lila Cheney. I know stuff. And everyone thought that was her power set. Mm. Turns out that her knowing stuff is weird time travel shenanigans that we are not going to go into (laughs) here. But her power is she can bring people back from the dead, but their soul does not come with them. She can't do that to herself, though. I assume not. Because she died and she didn't do it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so she's walking Pet Cemetery. <laughs> I've not read Pet Cemetery, but I'm going to go with that. Yes. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, Guido is shot and dies protecting Mayor J. Jonah Jameson from an assassination attempt. He dies to bullets? He's a big guy. He's not necessarily a bulletproof guy. I mean, a bus hit him, but he's got bigger. Why didn't he get bigger when a bullet hit him? Oh, he probably got bigger, but there was still a bullet in his heart, man. Like, okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, I'm not actually, I have not read the issue. I don't know for sure if it was a bullet. It might've been, you know, it's really easy to be like a super powered mutant sniper. She's got sniper powers. Like, I don't actually know. No, that's fair. You can always just say sniper powers and it works. So, <laughs> but he does die admitting his love for the woman Monet, who, which is only important because of what makes him become the Lord of Hell. When he is revived, he starts becoming increasingly violent and increasingly immoral, with no one really understanding why. Interesting. Other than Lila Cheney, who's not really wanting to talk about it, because, whoops, Guido's soul isn't here. It's kind of empty inside. He ends up leaving after becoming more and more violent and just difficult to deal with, uh, returning when... The Hell on Earth War happens, which is a very confusing story that we will discuss in our readings. But essentially, there is a rule of when the seven billionth soul is born, whichever Hell Lord kills him gets everything. They get the whole pie. Strong Guy comes back helping out Mephisto, but uh, accidentally kills Monet because she has other injuries happening behind the scenes that he was unaware of. So when he punched her really strong, she kicked it. Unable to handle the idea of him having killed her, he kills the seventh billionth soul, the son of one of his closest friends, Rain, a.k.a. Wolfsbane, uh, and uses his new power to take Mephisto's throne and bring Monet back to life. He will hold this role for not very long at all before the Thunderbolts, a team that at the time consisted of Punisher, Elektra, Deadpool... The Flash Thompson Venom and the Red Hulk are sent to hell and uh, convince him to abdicate the throne to go get his soul back. The next time we see him, he's got it. Good for him. He has his soul back. He did it. And then he immediately is possessed and killed by the Phalanx. But that is... Uh. (laughs) Don't got time. We really want to do an X-Men season one day, and Guido's wild, wild story will definitely get time when we someday get to that. Years from now. People just keep listening. Please. (laughs) This brings us to our final character for the day, Satana Hellstrom. Real quick, I just want to add in one quick thing about Guido, just Mm because I was looking up how his powers work. Yeah, uh, yeah, please, thank you. He does actually have a bad heart, partially just because of being how big of a guy he is. So it has that issue bump. It's kind of like how Andre the Giant had real medical problems being that big, and mm-hmm. he goes like four times the size. And so when he absorbs the energy, he actually has to expend it within 90 seconds or else risk permanently enlarging his body more. 
Oh. And it just can't handle that. And that also puts extra strain on his heart. Got it. And just absorbing and expending the energy because his heart's already bad, you can kind of just overwork him. I guess that that's what happened when he faced the Hulk, was basically... He almost won. Yeah. He can face the Hulk one-on-one, punch for punch, not for long, but for, you know, like five minutes, which is incredible against the Hulk. No one, I did not mean to make that pun. (laughs) No one can fight the Hulk on that scale. That's like Thor and Hercules and no one else. Mm -hmm. And he was doing better than Hercules tends to do. Just unfortunately, the Hulk was able to outlast him. Because the Hulk. So Guido had a heart attack and had to stop. Uh, he does have a pacemaker now, though. That helps. Oh, good. Good for him. <laughs> Can't go near Magneto, but... <laughs> How much muscle? Oh, my God. Lorna, a.k.a. Polaris, is on his team. Oh, no. She's got magnet powers. Oh, no. no. I think they've just carefully never talked about that ever since. I think you're right. <laughs> or she's been super careful, like, nope. Okay, I'm going to use all these magnet stuff, but Guido... Stand behind this lead. Please <laughs> like, don't come near this. Um, due to that that initial like disfiguring from the the truck hit, though, he is in constant pain. I, it would have to be. Yeah. yeah, his life is not happy. But imagine how sore you are after lifting weights, and the, but imagine that happening overnight ten times, and then you're never healing after that. Yeah, just imagine a muscle tear, but your entire body, oh. <laughs> like no. always. Uh, which is why he is such a goofy guy. It's just his way of dealing with it. He's kind of standoffish. He's kind of goofy. You have to be, I think. Mm-hmm. But this brings us to Satana Hellstrom, daughter of Satan. Satana is actually one of these characters. I was looking forward to this episode because, like Mephisto, I never quite understood her. Yeah. Like, I didn't have the appeal. And I almost have it, but it's still not quite there. I think a large part of Satana is that they have never quite figured out who she is. Is she along the lines of Damon Hellstrom, where she is, like, trying not to be evil or trying to use her hell powers for relative good or at least just to survive? Is she trying to be the queen of hell? Is she, you know... In cahoots with her dad. The answer is, it entirely depends on which writer is writing her. She doesn't seem to have a super dedicated theme to her stories in the way that, like, Doctor Strange does. Doctor Strange is not always the nicest guy, but he is here for the betterment of mankind. Satana, it's just a roll of the die of which Satana you're gonna get, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. That is interesting in its own right, but it does lead to some odd character moments mm-hmm. sometimes uh, because I've been doing this with the others Satana aka the queen of hell aka the devil's daughter aka Judith Chambers aka Julia <laughs> Julia Julia <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's Julia but it's, I don't know I just, actually I shouldn't say I'm sure Satana is born I believe it was three years after her brother Damon we mentioned this in the Damon Hellstrom episode When she's still a child, her mother, Victoria Hellstrom, discovers her husband and Satana performing a black magic ritual in the basement. While Hellstrom wasn't part of this himself, Satana was full-on diving in. Yeah, let's sacrifice this woman with daddy. That's some good daddy-daughter time going on. (laughs) Honestly. 
What is weird to me, and the answer is probably 70s sexism from when the comics were coming out, is that even though he clearly seemed to favor Satana and, like, you know, had her involved in the rituals that Damon didn't even know about, he was very determined for Damon to become his heir. Not, yeah. Not Satana. Like, I feel like it would have gone a lot easier if he's like, come on, Satana, let's do this. She'd been like, and she'd be cool. like, Let, let's do it. I was ready yesterday. Um, interestingly, Satana was not part of the original Damon Hellstrom comics for the most part, largely originally appearing in the black and white horror comics that Marvel was putting out, which were kind of standalone. They weren't governed by the Comics Code Authority because technically they were black and white magazines instead of comic strips. It was a very weird publication distinction that let Marvel do more mature, serious stories, quote unquote, uh, with characters like Blade the Vampire Hunter, Morbius the Living Vampire, the Savage Sword of Conan, as opposed to just Conan the Barbarian. You would occasionally see a nipple sometimes. Oh, and God. like, and really not much. <laughs> you mostly saw it through the shirt more, but like, and, uh, Really violent things happen in them. Not super detailed. We have an episode about that coming up in a while. Oh. Well, the original uh, comic makes it look like Damon and Satana were both put in different orphanages. Actually, Marduk Kurios, I'm just going to call him Satan. Satan took his daughter down to hell with it for more fun daddy-daughter time. During this time, she's possessed by a uh, demon called the Basilisk, which was supposed to take her over entirely, but Satana is powerful enough that she won that contest and just got the power of the Basilisk. However, she's got to be really careful when using it because anytime she uses the Basilisk, it gets stronger. The oh, stronger okay. it gets, the stronger the chance that it will take her over. Uh, Satana is on and off sent to Earth where she needs to feed on human souls because she is at this point a full-on succubus. In some slightly problematic storytelling, she tends to mostly go undercover as a sex worker. A prostitute, specifically. I am going to say that is problematic storytelling mostly because of the long history of demonizing sex workers and that making this extremely literal. Mm -hmm. When the danger tends to honestly be much more towards the sex worker than the thing. But it also kind of makes sense with the succubus. So, yeah. yeah, It was just enough that I was like, maybe I should say something there. It makes sense, but let's not try to demonize these people. Yeah, exactly. Um, at one point, the sorcerer Brian Abelard creates an illusion that, she, uh, that made her think that she was a woman named Judith Chamber in a plot to con take control of the Basilisk. Judith. There's where Judith Chambers comes from. He and the Camarilla of the Nagari, the Nagari are a group of demons that we might talk about more later, but I haven't figured out where we would. They tend to fight the X-Men more than anyone else. They separate her from the Basilisk and are going to sacrifice her. She manages to call the Basilisk back to her, which kills them and remerges the Basilisk with her. Gotcha. Several of these earlier stories tended to involve the Basilisk more, which doesn't really happen anymore. Uh, mostly thanks to this, uh, this story coming up, Doctor Strange had used Chartres' Book of the Damned, which I have never heard of outside of this story, which went badly for him because Doctor Strange turning his body into a werewolf and trapping his soul in the astral plane. Oops. <laughs> it's a normal Friday night. By demons. Knowing that 
Whether she liked him or not, it was real important that Doctor Strange, you know, be able to Sorcerer Supreme and do the Sorcerer Supreme things. Satana frees him uh, and dies, as does the Basilisk. She's not seen again for a long time, but because it is revealed in multiple places, demons don't die. I mean, they do, but they just go back to hell. She was later, mm-hmm. honestly, I think in the Hellstorm series, uh, brought back to Earth where she continues her hunting down sex workers, or not hunting down, hunting down souls as a sex worker and living in an abandoned church. There was actually a Satana series that was supposed to take place from the creative team of Warren Ellis and I can't, the, the guy that did Hellstorm with him. Um, oh, yep, blanking on that Yep, right we now. did it last time. Sorry, guys, that, I, I read that book a month ago. <laughs> uh, but that series never developed. So the next time we see her, she apparently died again sometime because the next time we see her is in Witches, where Doctor Strange brings her back to be another part of the coven (laughs) that she, I guess, joins up with, and then they never talk about again because it was a very bad series, as we have now discussed ad nauseum on this show. Wow. I like that in-universe all the characters sort of got together and were like, Let's, um, this, this didn't happen. And they're like, yeah, no, no. My theory is very much like what we were talking about with Damon Hellstrom, that he teamed up with various people and we're like, we're going to create this new team. And then the Fantastic Four left and they were like, peace. They bought it. (laughs) Like, I honestly think they were just bluffing Doc Strange. So they, he wouldn't wander off with the Tome of Zerd. Nah. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, we're all together, so you you can't take on all... Okay, he's gone. Take on... I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk. What a goatee jerk. <laughs> I don't like any of you any better, though, so bye. <laughs> Continuing her I'm going to possess souls and uh, kind of be a serial killer process, it is revealed that she has to give one out of every ten souls she gives to her father. By this point, although we never specifically see where it happens probably when Damon kills him, uh, she has separated from her father and actually talks about her war against him, but it's never brought up nearly as much as Damon. But she still owes the tithe, because unlike Damon, she actually wants to be a part of hell. While she is going about making sure she gets the souls that she needs, she is caught in a magic circle and forced to go... uh, free the soul of a man named Jason Silence. We read this. We Mm -hmm. will be talking about it. But uh, she successfully frees Jason Silence from the Scorpion King to save her sister, or for his sister. That made no sense, sorry. Uh, But as soon as the deal is considered done, she sends him back to hell, kidnaps her, and leaves her hanging from the ceilings of the desecrated church she hangs out in, Probably dead, but never really explained. This is what I'm saying of sometimes she is straight up the worst. Mm-hmm. She is straight up soups evil. Other times she's like sacrificing her life to save Doctor Strange. She's a little all over the map. Yeah. Coming up a lot more in this. When Luke Cage and Captain America put together a different team of the Thunderbolts than the ones we were talking about. This actually takes place before the Strong Guy Thunderbolt story. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Luke Cage was going to... It's kind of like a Suicide Squad, but with less head bombs. Awesome. That's, you know... As you do. Not as fun, but... 
but a little more fitting with Luke Cage and Captain mm-hmm. America being in charge of things. Yeah, no, that that fits. They are using the Man Thing, who is a telepathic swamp monster who can teleport people as their mode of transport, but they need someone to help communicate with the man thing. So knowing that, you know, she is a villain, so fits their whole thing. They go take her out and try to force her to join the Thunderbolts. She initially resists until she finds out she'll be working with the man thing who she finds super interesting. And it's kind of flirty in the comic, but like doesn't have to be. Which, don't think too much about, please, for the sake of all of us. Uh, is <laughs> Man-Thing has is... a kid. Okay, that's that's true. With a crystal lady. But they're, you know... <laughs> Man-Thing's level of awareness is always interesting. Somewhat questionable, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, because we're really carefully avoiding the <laughs> joke, because this is uh, <laughs> our less pervy podcast. Less what? Dirty podcast. Uh, I mean, it, none of them are that bad, but like... But none of this happened in Giant Size Man-Thing, did it? Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> Man-Thing is also the comic that is responsible for the title Giant Size Man-Thing number one. Yeah, well. Because Marvel used to publish annuals called Giant Size, so Giant Size Spider-Man, Giant Size X-Men, Giant Size Man-Thing, and then number they published one. it and it went, mm. huh. Oops. Huh, Okay. That skipped by editorial, apparently. Anyways, in the Thunderbolts, uh, she ends up... The Thunderbolts end up being thrown through time, thanks to various things. They end up, among other places, clashing with Jack the Ripper, helping out with the invaders in World War II, and spending time in King Arthur's court, where she mostly is kind of snippy to Merlin. He's a jerk, so fair enough. Yeah. She eventually helps bring the team back to the modern day where she just leaves. The series got canceled, so she just kind of leaves. The next time we see her, she has become a underworld ruler of her own right of ruling a portion of hell. With the business of damnation booming, quote, uh, due to people's preference to spend the afterlife hanging out with celebrities and giving in to all sorts of sin and vice, she has decided to try and bring in several famous souls to kind of work as an attractant. <laughs> why she needs, like, why she's using hell as, like, a vacation spot or, like, no, come to ours is not quite clear. <laughs> I like to think you get But to I kind of love it, to be honest with you. It's like an airport. You're like, okay, which one do I want to go to? She dis- it feels more Mephisto-y to me, but... <laughs> but it kind of fits with... I mean, she's not really that dedicated to ruling hell, even though... I mean, she wanted to be a hell lord. She appears in the Hell on Earth War, which mm-hmm. I won't be mentioning because it's not super important for her stuff. But uh, she mostly kind of just wants the power so people have to respect her as opposed to, like, I will rule all of hell. She decides that a really good person to have as an attractant is Dr. Strange. So she kidnaps him and forces him to eat hell food, which much like eating, you know, afterlife food from Greek legend forces you to stay there. But having to leave, she leaves the villain master pandemonium to look after him. Master pandemonium mostly exists as uh, part of his soul might be, Wiccan and Speed from the Young Avengers. We've discussed him several times. Yes. In reality, he was a 50s movie star that made a deal with Mephisto, but it went badly, and now he has demons for hands. 
<laughs> yes. I'm not joking. <laughs> I have demons for hands. <laughs> oh. He is in the running yes. for the all-time worst supervillain ever created. You see, I'm a regular <laughs> human, but my hands, they're demons. <laughs> I know that you have a thing against... Like, <laughs> blades for hands? Which is worse, blades for hands or demons for hands? The demons have little tiny hands, so I'm going with blades for hands. <laughs> I also hate gun hands. <laughs> Hook hands I'm okay with, but only because of pirates, and, like, the seven-year-old me is like, yeah! What about chainsaw hands? Oh, yeah, what about those? I'll accept it for Bruce Campbell. Actually, no, I was really sad in Army of Darkness when they took away the chainsaw hand and gave him a... Uh, Gauntlet mm-hmm. robot hand. Also, he became weirdly brilliant. Never mind. That's for a different podcast. I mean, hell is involved. But the moment she leaves uh, with Master Pandemonium looking after him, Strange just uses his astral projection to make himself vomit to stop the food poisoning. Oh, yeah. He also has a star hole in his chest. <laughs> Who made that? Master Pandemonium. <laughs> Probably Roy Thomas, but I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> There's two little imps. <laughs> Following Strange's escape, Satana decides that she's going to just use Jim Morrison's soul as a approach and calls it good. She is later brought into a group that is kind of informally called the Spirits of Vengeance. They are a team that never actually gets a formal name, but they basically are the Midnight Suns, uh, where they have to stop hell from manipulating humans into assassinating an angel during a every thousand years hell and uh, heaven have a like peace talk where neither one has access to powers as just like trading prisoners back and you know whatever Mm -hmm. stuff happens in eternal war however if a human kills one of them no sides actually betrayed the peace talk and like it starts the war Uh, Satana ends up helping out and somehow befriends Blade in the process because the next time we see her, or one of the next time we see her, she has Blade on her cell phone contacts list and is running a club on Earth and calls him up because Damon Hellstrom is acting strange. Because it's not actually Damon Hellstrom, it is a Asgardian shape changer from a series called Strike Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, she finds out that the Strike Force accidentally killed Damon thinking he was the shape changer. Is momentarily very angry, but is like, whatever, he's a demon, and brings him back to life in her back storage room. <laughs> whatever. Later, Strike Force retreats to go deal with this stuff, and she just doesn't. <laughs> She's like, all right, you got rid of the fake demon. I brought real demon back to life. Have fun. I'm going to run my bar. And honestly, her having a, like, hell club on Earth that she can use to kind of, like, you know, she might steal some souls in the process and having her in this kind of similar to Damon, although Damon actually does want to make the world a better place, morally gray, almost like Crowley from good omens mm-hmm. of I'm a demon on earth, but I don't want the end times to come because then I would have to go live in hell again is the most interesting version of Satana that I have ever seen. And she appeared in like two issues. That is our characters. Woo. I actually kept us on time for possibly the first time ever in the history of this podcast. That was pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, now that our characters are covered, we're going to take a short break. Going to have a little recess. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's my weekend, guys. I'm so just, whatever. <laughs> and then we'll come back and talk about our reading. So there's a lot of good reasons I picked this comic book. The, for a reading specifically X-Factor 250 through 256, a.k.a. the Hell on Earth War. But I admit, it's not the most intro-friendly book I've ever read. I don't know if it was for you or not. I'm actually kind of curious on this one. But I did pick the second-to-last storyline in an over 130 comic book run from the same writer on the same team. Mm. Uh, but it did have the most Hell Lords per page, so it seemed like the most efficient way of... There's not other many big, like, this is a Hell Lord storyline. Yeah, no, it made sense to pick the storyline where it's like... Literally look, about them. Like, all Hell Lords. <laughs> oh, all Oops, Hell Lords all, all the time. <laughs> all new, all different Hell Lords. So, real quick on this one, Peter David is the writer of this. I'm not going to call him the goat of comic book writers, but he's up there he's one of uh, for quick reference of where he is important he wrote the x-factor series that led to guido he wrote it for like 30 issues they later brought him back that he wrote this series for like 130 issues straight this is probably the last comic book of its type of one writer on one team for like 10 years Especially when that team never features Spider-Man, never features Wolverine, never has any of the A-list characters. Mm. Literally, he told them, give me the X-Men no one wants to use mm. so I can just keep them. Mm -hmm. And characters came and left and stuff. But like this, this was how comics were for years. They don't, that doesn't happen anymore. Just thanks to the, for good or ill, the changing nature of the comic medium. He also wrote one of the longest Hulk runs of all time, which really sets up Hulk as we know him today with the whole multiple personality, the different versions of the Hulk. He wrote him for like 15 years. The Maestro, the old evil Hulk that comes up, that's pretty famous, comes mm -hmm. up from that. He wrote angry 90s pirate Aquaman. Yeah. He is straight up why Jason Momoa is Aquaman. He wrote the Young Justice series, which is why we have the Young Justice cartoon series that we have. Uh, he wrote a story that's largely unknown these days, but was extremely important at the time of a Spider-Man story called The Death of Gene DeWolf, which is where Spider-Man and Daredevil, their relationship as like super close allies and friends who know each other's identity comes from that storyline. He created Spider-Man 2099, who Oscar Isaac is going to be playing in Spider-Man 2. Mm -hmm. Or uh, Spider-Verse Spider 2. Spider-Verse 2. Like, he is everywhere in the comic book scene. X-Factor is probably the thing he's best known for. It's X-Factor or Spider-Man 2099 these days. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is, I mean, this series, just as a quick... It, because it didn't really come up in this, was the idea is X-Factor Investigations. Jamie Madrox, the multiple man, decides to stop being taken as a joke and um, sends out all of his duplicates to learn just everything they can. One goes and trains in martial arts. One goes and studies chemistry. One goes and studies biology, yada, yada, yada. And then he goes on who wants to be a millionaire with all of the information that he gathered from these to make enough money to open up a private detective agency called X-Factor Investigations. And he hires his old buddies and creates a super team. Okay. 
As I said, this is the only X-Men team in like 10 years to not have a Wolverine on it. Honestly, other than the Fantastic Four, it was the only super team in like 10 years to not have a Wolverine on it. There's no Cyclops, there's no Beast, there's there's pretty much this cast. <laughs> Look, Shatter was trying with his blades. Shatterstar is a Rob Liefeld <laughs> creation, so he's a little bit I wish I was Wolverine no matter what. He wishes. <laughs> also, Shatterstar was the first publicly gay X-Man thanks to this series, and Rob Liefeld was pissed. <laughs> Maybe second. I don't know if Northstar had been an X-Man at this point, but Northstar mm. was an openly gay mutant. It's... yeah. One of the first uh, with Shatterstar and Richter, who appears briefly in the series, but doesn't do much other than occasionally makes that I'm, I'm doing hand motions. I'm sorry. Uh, earthquake stuff happen. He's like earthquake. Earthquake. And and like, being kind of oh, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Quick explanation for who Tyr is, because that is a little strange, because if you don't know it, you just know that. You know, uh, Wolfsbane from the New Mutants movie has a kid who's a couple months old, but also 12. The thing is, Wolfsbane in Asgard met and fell in love with a god whose name I cannot pronounce, but is basically an Asgardian wolf deity. Okay. She has a baby with him, which is a little wildly out of character, but he pulled in the wolf side of her because she's soups Catholic. Mm -hmm. We watched New Mutants on this show, right? That yes. was okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> she's the one that was making out with Danny Moonstar in that, which is so good that they let them do that. Still, I'm still happy about that. But like, she's the super Catholic werewolf girl, meets and falls in love with a Asgardian wolf deity and has a baby. And I've not read this storyline, so I cannot justify that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying no, I don't know why that happened. Other than wolf, wolf, yeah. <laughs> but that kind of sets the stage for where we are here on the Hell on Earth War. Yeah, so now we have Tyr. Tyr, who's never really mentioned again. Tyr Sinclair. It's not the worst name I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, he, he does, we see Rain after this leave the X-Factor team again and become a deacon of a church, but I don't think there's ever a scene where strong guy is like, Hey, should we talk about the fact that I stabbed your son to death? <laughs> no. And he exploded in the light. <laughs> there were actually a lot of, um, awkward pregnancies in this series. Cause earlier on in it, siren slept with Jamie Madrock siren being another ex member, uh, the daughter of Banshee, but like adult daughter, not, it's not mm -hmm. creepy. Um, Thanks. You know what? I, like the daughter of so-and-so. <laughs> right? He's an X-Man. How old is she? And the answer is like 20, 25. Like uh, she sleeps with Jamie Madrox and gets pregnant. But it turns out that it was a dupe of Jamie Madrox. Not the original, but one of the oh. things. So she goes through the pregnancy. Wait a minute. Has the baby and then hands it to the father. And he accidentally reabsorbs the baby because he can't control it. When he touches one of his dupes, generally, it gets like sucked back into him. Oh, no. It was a dupe of a dupe? <laughs> it was the child of a dupe, which means that it just was like... Baby Madrox. What? 
And she's like, I went through this. Hold your son. And he's like, cool. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she is super traumatized. I would be too. Yeah. Rough things happen in the series, you guys. Batman absorbed a baby. <laughs> I will say it is one of the best X-Books of the last... Of the 21st century, mostly because, like, it would get involved in the big crossovers, the, like, end-of-the-world X-Men crossovers, but otherwise, they literally told the X-Men to stay the hell away from their business. Good for them. Which, when you tell that, like, when you're multiple man, like, kind of a running joke of a character, and you're saying that to Wolverine and Cyclops at the same time, like, Mm -hmm. that's a golf clap there moment. But, that's not, I'm sorry, I'm excited about X-Factor. Um... Much like Dwight Schrute, he has the strength of a grown man and a little baby. <laughs> but like 50 grown men. No matter where you go, there's always Dwight Schrute. <laughs> Unfortunately, everywhere. Multiple Man is kind of back to being a joke. The last big thing that he did was he was the waiter at the Hellfire Gala. Interesting. But he was all the of the waiters. That's actually kind of fun. Yeah, no, I, I don't mind it, but I was like... Man, Multiple Man had a bunch of growth. They killed him, like, off-screen in a really hated setup for the really hated crossover event in Humans vs. X-Men. And then we see him again in Krakoa, and he's mostly just hanging out as a waiter and going jet-skiing with Strong Guy. (laughs) Which, again, live your best life, my guy. I hope Layla's okay. Is there married? Yeah. I'm not sure how she's an adult, because she's a kid in when she first appears. She first appears in the House of M crossover as this creepy little kid who remembers the original world going, my name's Layla Miller. I know stuff. And then she like shows up at X-Factor Investigations and kind of just takes over without like making a big deal of it Hmm. by just kind of manipulating people to be where they need to be. And then I stopped reading at like volume five. This is volume 20 for reference (laughs) in the collected editions, just to put the scale Mm -hmm. of the series and I was like, Layla, how are you not 12? And how are you married to Jamie Madrox? <laughs> Layla, I have questions. Don't know. Um, yeah, as far as this reading goes, it was fine. Yeah. I was like, it's oops, all hell lords. <laughs> it really as is. As advertised. <laughs> it kind of sums up why Mephisto is the only hell lord that's really used much anymore. Because he just tends to suck the air out of the room of all of the other Hell Lords. Yeah. I mean, aside from Undercover Nurgle, (laughs) (laughs) he's really the only, like, demon god that you're like, oh, like, that. that's, like, the pinnacle of evil. Mm -hmm. And he always wins. Like, he won that battle. Well, he's the one that looks like the devil. The one that we think of. Probably why people like him. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there's something fun about him. I kind of am under the opinion that Marduk Kurios is the only one remotely on his power level. But Marduk Kurios, as we said, just is the, like, isolationist, stay away from me and I'll stay away from you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I only give that because he has to be super powerful to make the various times he does appear make any sense whatsoever. Right. Or what he did to have his kids. Doesn't sound like an easy thing to do. But we discussed that last time. Yeah. <laughs> we also read Legion of Monsters, uh, which is not a great story, but it was a like pretty simple Satana solo story, which I did want us to have a bit of because she's not a huge part of 
this. Yeah. I mean, we do see her. She's, but she's, you know. Being mauled. She's being <laughs> Satana in, this is the problem. This is why I like, as I was saying, the Crowley Satana kind of set up the like, I'm just living on earth, trying to do my living on earth stuff. If I have to save it, fine. But I'm definitely not a hero. Mm-hmm. Because she's just the forgettable manipulator in this. Like, I'm a manipulator, but it's mostly because I'm pretty, as opposed to Mephisto, who does a lot of Mephisto manipulation stuff. And, like, I think she deserves much more than that. And Hell's Party Girl is much more interesting than... Whatever that was happening there. Then, yeah, kind of traditional succubus yeah. stuff. Like, even a lot of the lines in that comic. Like, I, I felt like I was reading different people saying different things from frame to frame because it was just a statement. There's, like, an idiom or something. And then another statement, there's just another idiom. But they're, they're not actually a conversation. It's like... Is this Legion of Monsters or is this... Legion of Monsters. Okay, yeah. It just felt, like, so disjointed when I was reading it. Like, someone looked up tons of quotes you could a demon would say... <laughs> and then put them in the comic frame by frame, and they don't connect to each other, because <clears throat> the, the the frames themselves tell more story about who she is, like mm-hmm. the background of what she's doing, why she's doing it. I, you have more storytelling through the art than you do through anything she's saying. It is much more traditional. I mean, straight up serial killer. Legion of Monsters was in no way trying to have a redeemable Satana. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's just. Cool, I'm doing this. Oh, shit, I gotta go do something for a little bit. And how am I gonna get out of it? Cool, like this, because what's my name? Satana. Satana. Yeah. <laughs> Satan. Uh. Which is fine. Like, Girl, she, Satan. It's a demon. But, like, the only, like, thing that she said that felt somewhat genuine was, like, you shouldn't say that to my dad. I'm not the queen of hell. <laughs> but then that wasn't even true. Like, that was no. listed in the stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of... Legion of Monsters was a book that came out that, in all honesty, I think exists to make sure they continued to own the IP rights. Mm. You have to bring a book out a certain or use a character a certain amount of times to to keep the control of various IPs. Uh, and this was a mini series that had one offs for, I mean, Satana. The Living Mummy Mummy. that's in the back of this. Jack Russell, the werewolf by night. I think Simon Garth, Man-Thing. It was a like, see? Legion of Monsters. People liked that. And it was an extremely forgettable series, to be honest with you. Like, some of them were good. We will probably read the Jack Russell one when we get to Werewolf by Night. Uh, This one was fine. Honestly, and this is a controversial thing to say in the comic book stuff, the Greg Land covers is, in some ways, the most appealing parts of this book. Because that's a pretty good cover that he did for this. Like, unremarkable, Mm but solid, sexy, well done. Uh, The biggest problem with Greg Land is he is the most prolific tracer in possibly the history of comic books. Mostly stock photos, but, like, he's only got about ten of them. Mm. He's, like, four poses for women, and he will use them on the same page. You're like that? Weird. You just reversed that image. (laughs) Emma Frost and Psylocke have... 100% 100% the same expression going on right now. Gotcha. Just mirrored. When his stuff works, it works really well. And when it doesn't, you're like, man, get, please, just one more photo. <laughs> but I guess, do we have anything on the Hell Lords here other than 
It was fun to see Hell Lords. It was fun to see Hell Lords, and really, my point about Pluto stands. Yeah, and he's just. It was interesting. Forget about Hell Lord. Yeah, who was the guy with the gun that said he was the Lord of Death? He tried to shoot Tyr. Oh, um, Darwin. Darwin. Okay, yes. Darwin is a very strange X-Man. He actually appears in X-Men First Class where he yep. immediately dies, which... Makes sense. Makes no sense. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Darwin's mutant power is that he can evolutionarily adapt to anything. You try and drown him, he will grow gills. Interesting. And then they'll disappear again when he comes back out. You throw him into space, he will develop... I don't know what survives that, but like... I mean, he was killed and part of Krakoa thrown into space and just like a couple of cells survived and it was enough to bring him back to life. That's insane. He was part of an X-Man team from a series called Deadly Genesis that took place in between the original five X-Men and the all new, all different X-Men, which is like Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, mm. that no one knew about. It was like the secret X-Man team that all died. That was another case of Professor Xavier is a jerk. Uh, people in the last in the 21st century people have gotten too fond of Professor Xavier as a jerk and they no longer let him be an aspirational figure which I have significant issue with but here we are Darwin ends up being one of only two people to survive this story and then afterwards after the story was done the other one went on to become a major space conqueror slash villain slash Cyclops' little brother but Darwin was alive, but there were no plans for him. Mm. So Peter David took him. How he ended up hunting Tear down with the oversized gun that is clearly modeled off a Nerf blaster I had when I was younger. But I don't care because I do that too because I think it looks cool. Um, I don't actually know like how Darwin got from, hey, I guess I'll help out with X-Factor to here I am. Here to kill your son. And then he like touched. Uh, he used, oh, Who was it? What's her name? I forget her name again. The one that died. Monet. Monet. Touched her and he's like, you know you're dying, right? <laughs> he just knew. He's got wild powers. Like, the only reason he's not the most dangerous mutant around is he doesn't control it. I was about to point that out. Like, the Darwin's powers will allow him to react or to adapt to any situation, but he doesn't get to choose how he adapts. It just happens. So... There was a time where he was fighting the Hulk, and instead of getting bigger and being able to go pound for pound with the Hulk, he uh, evolved the ability to teleport, and his body just got him out of there. Oh. The best way to survive a battle with the Hulk evolutionarily is to not be there. <laughs> That's also fair. <laughs> Don't fight the Hulk. That's the solution. Yeah. They were like, oh, no, oh, he was one of our big cats here. He was, oh, God. Colossus tried and it went very badly. Colossus is strong, but he's not no, Hulk, Hulk strong. strong. No. He's just Colossus. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see Darwin. I wasn't expecting so much of him. But. What's fun is both Shatterstar and Longshot are in this series. This is unrelated to Hell Lords, but here we are. Oh, right. Um, oh, right. Longshot is a character from the Mojoverse. It's a, a alternate dystopian world ruled by a guy who has turned his entire world into a reality TV show. Hence the name Mojo World. Yeah. Okay. 
who escapes and joins the X-Men. When Rob Liefeld created X-Force, he liked Longshot, but he wasn't 90s edgy enough for him. So instead of Longshot, there was now Shatterstar, who is from like hundreds of years later in the Mojo world and this soup's violent and has a sword with two blades on it. Why? Why not? I actually kind of like Shatterstar, but it's only after other people got their hands on him and, like, away from Rob Liefeld. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mr. Russell, like, no, it's ours now. <laughs> you need to stop. Literally, X-Force was unreadable, and then he left the book, and they went, oh, my God, we can do stuff again. <laughs> He's gone. Um, oh, my God. And it became one of, it became the best X-Book on the market at the time. Dang. But Shatterstar is clearly connected to Longshot. They have a lot of similarities in powers. They both come from the Mojoverse. There was a lot of, like, is Shatterstar his son that disappeared at one point? Like, is what's going on? Is this kind of like a Cable and Cyclops situation? And it's eventually revealed. And this breaks my brain to try and explain. Shatterstar is a clone of Longshot. But also, Longshot is Shatterstar's son. <laughs> Why couldn't he They're a time loop. Hey. Awesome. Longshot escaped from Mojo and he and Mojo took a little bit of his DNA and created Shatterstar, the greatest warrior of the uh, uh, Colosseum. Shatterstar escapes, ends up having a son. I'm not sure how that happens because he's in a long term committed relationship with Richter, but whatever it happens. Oh, yeah. Also in the series, which also adds to the messed up childhood things going on. No one in X Factor should have babies. <laughs> Unless you want to be absorbed. Uh, thanks. To, no, still no. <laughs> Siren did not want that. I just like the idea. He touched it. like. <laughs> just like, whoa, where'd the baby go? They, Shatterstar <laughs> with his baby are sent back in time where he is forced to leave the baby behind where it is raised as Longshot. It's the bit from Red Dwarf where Lister is his own father, mm -hmm. which is a super deep cut that I did not need to go to, but I knew you would get it at least, Tyler. Um, what a weird life. Dun, 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 dun. Peter David was like, you know how this was confusing? Let's make it worse. <laughs> Want to raise yourself? <laughs> Want to raise the stakes? Let's make this worse than it was before. <laughs> I don't... That That's another one where I don't know that how that happened. I've not read that story. Mm. I just like Longshot and Shatterstar, so I looked it up one day and was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is... How is this worse? <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I don't think I have much else on Hell oh, Lords. It's worth like, reading... If you like, I, I mean, I really uh, do recommend this X Factor series. I recognize it's super intimidating, 130 issues. If you want to read about the Hell Lords, this is a good, fun storyline for it. But it's not. There's no major revelations from it. It's just these are the Hell Lords. These are what they do. Mostly get punked by Mephisto. <laughs> Everyone gets who gets punked by some random guy who really should not be able to beat Mephisto. But claws. <laughs> I think the f the five need to bring back Tear. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that has happened. I don't know if they can bring people back anymore. I haven't been keeping super up. The X Men stories are getting real wild, and they were already real wild. I I kind of like how it's like 
Oh, he's just a natural god killer. He's just, just he what he does. He's yeah. a god mutant. I mean, literally, he is mm-hmm. a god mutant, so I guess I can see it. Um, okay. So next time we are going to be entering into our Ghost Rider phase, which we currently think will be four parts because there's a lot of Ghost Riders. So many Ghost Riders. Our first one will be Johnny Blaze, the original Ghost Rider, and we will actually be reading pretty much everything Ghost Rider has been in since Doctor Strange Damnation, partly just because we all really like Doctor Strange Damnation and I wanted to read what mm-hmm. happened next. <laughs> so we will be reading uh, the Jason Aaron run of Avengers issues 20 through through 25. It is titled Challenge of the Ghost Riders. And then we will be reading Ghost Rider 1 through 7, uh, the most recent series, uh, 2020. It actually got canceled due to COVID very mm. prematurely, which is why we will also be reading the King in Black Ghost Rider single issue which kind of gave them a chance to finish up some of these storylines. I do not know just in advance. I do not know if this will be the best Johnny storm run, not Johnny storm, Johnny blaze run. Johnny storm is the human torch. Yeah. I mean, they both, they both set on fire. Yeah. I'm not wrong, but, uh, I don't know if it'll be the best, like let's know the character of Johnny blaze, but he's a major part of all of it. And it does make us meet, I believe all of the major ghost riders in some level at the same time, which will kind of set us up going forward for the later stories. I'm so excited to reread ghost racers, <laughs> ghost racers, Danny catch Robbie Reyes. There's some really good comics coming up over the next couple months for us here. That's all the time we have set aside for our lesson today. For those of you staying on the Island, the nightly game of jokers and marbles starts soon. For everyone else, we hope your cruise back to the wild world of nerdery is swift and safe and super fun. Bon voyage. Thank you for listening to this episode of Noob Island. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super helpful. As always, we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network and would greatly appreciate it if you could go check out all of our sister shows over at earworm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M dot com. A big special thanks to Ian Ford for our theme song and music. We'll catch you next time.